You're listening to the Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name's Jamie. And I'm Nick. And mate, we're very lucky tonight. We're going to be interviewing a Hall of Fame member from the Bombers, Robert Shaw. Yeah, it's uh, very, very pleasing, uh, you know, that he's uh, been so generous with his time to have an interview with us. So it'll be an exciting chat, mate. Yeah, really looking forward to this because uh, Robert really, uh, as we know, speaks his mind and as a real proud, passionate Essendon person. So uh, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of in-depth things to say about where the club is at at the moment and how good it could be. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, having a good chat to him. Absolutely, mate. Always good to have a chat with good bomber people. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess this is a bit of a preview show to Thursday night show where the side will actually be named. So I guess before our interview starts, I guess I thought, why don't we do a bit of a prediction um, of what you think, so, you know, who do you think, mate, will, um, and it's a long way in advance, but who do you think is going to win the best and fairest this year? Well, look, I think at the moment, mate, it's it's pretty hard to look past Zach Merritt. Um, you know, the two practice games we've seen him play, he absolutely starred. He was racking up the ball left, right and centre. And I'm really hoping that, you know, with uh, you know, blokes like Cap Parrish and Caldwell developing in there and hopefully Lank- Lankford also extracting and a few other guys running through there, they'll be able to actually dish it out to Merritt so we won't be under so much pressure when he goes to kick the footy. Because that's the one thing that sort of seemed to drop away from his game is his kicking. Um, so, and, you know, he's looking fit. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to back Zach Merritt in to, to take it out. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, well, I'm actually going to go for a back-to-back best fer- best and Ferris's to uh, Jordan Ridley. I, I just think that uh, he's going to be our Mr. Reliable this year. And uh, with us, you know, with the focus... Of you know, the injuries of our backman, um, if he can stay durable and you know provide us a little bit of a launch pad from backline, uh, I think he's going to be uh, continue to have you know, with his good skills another good year. And um, and whilst I'd love for you to be right, mate, um, I'd love Zach Merritt to win it and uh, you know follow that up by signing on with the Bombers. Absolutely, um, <laughs> I would. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just have a feeling that the ball might be down our back line a fair bit this year. <laughs> and uh, Jordan uh, will you know, make the most of his opportunities when they are provided to him. Um, now, goal kicking, mate, last year was just horrible. Like, I think what a tipper win it with 19 or something like that. Yeah, um, yep. So who's going to kick uh, the most goals this year, mate? Look, I, I have to go with Jake Stringer. Um yeah, I'm going to back him in to, to get fit. I think we've taken a conservative approach. Like apparently he was, uh, like he came back in really good shape, had that bit of a uh, problem with the ankle. Uh, I think they've just sort of managed him through. Uh, by all reports, he's, he's back training. I'm not sure if he's back full training as of yet. I've, uh, I've yet to seek the expert opinions of, uh, of our Blitz brethren. But uh, look, um, I think he's, he, he's a big one for me that has that real goal-kicking power. Uh, potentially keep you know forty goals plus. Uh, I personally don't see um, Tipper, you know, being able to keep massive bags of goals week in week out. Uh, equally, I think Wright, um, you know, he'll be 
obviously chopping in and out of the ruck. Um, Hooker, uh, whether he plays a whole season down forward, I'm not sure. So I think Jake String is really that um, our our big forward forward threat. Uh, but what about yourself, mate? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, I'm actually going to go for Hooker. I think um, if he is going to play forward, now I don't expect him to kick mountains of goals. So you know, don't misquote me. But I just think with his hands being so good. Uh, if we get him enough opportunities, um, you know, I just think he might be the one who can kick us, you know, maybe a, a goal or two a week, um, you know, and if he can end up with 40 goals like he did in 2017, uh, you know, as we know, uh, goals are hard to come by for the Bombers, so um, I reckon 40 will win it. So, yeah, I've gone for Kale Hooker. Um, obviously, mate, uh, the other news this week has been surrounding, you know, Essendon playing Hawthorne. Obviously, this is a round one match and um, a lot of emphasis was about getting tickets for the uh, game, just, you know, for people who lived in Melbourne who wanted to go. Um, there was only 26,000 available uh, due to the game being played at Marvel and I'm pleased to say my daughter and I got tickets. Um Beautiful. Yeah, I'm very happy to be saying I'm going to the game and, you know, even going down to Cadinia Park the other the other week was a great feeling, but it, it'll feel even better being a, a proper match and, and at Marvel, um, you know, hopefully there's a huge Essendon crowd because, you know, the way the tickets were sold, you, you're going to have to think that we're going to have, well, we should have 80% of the crowd, mate. It must be nearly that high um, considering how the tickets were sold. So what do you mean by that, Jim? Why, why would it probably be 80%? Uh, just to, well, it started, uh, it was opened up to uh, Essendon, or Essendon and Hawthorne club support uh, members could put in their, uh, you know, to get AFL members uh, tickets today at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And by 10.45, it had been exhausted. So that meant the AFL reserve part of the ground is all full. So that's where your Hawthorne support is going to come into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the remaining tickets were sold by Essendon Football Club and you had to be like a high mark or a gold class, uh, sorry, gold um, member. Uh, just, and then it went on to the silver members and so forth and bronze. So, um, yeah, I can't see how Hawthorne could have got their hands on, you know, more tickets than uh, after Essendon had their opportunity to sell their tickets. So I'm hoping, you know, there's a huge... Essendon dominated crowd, and um, as we come to learn when we speak to Robert Shaw, mate, um, it's amazing that Hawthorne are such strong favourites. Yeah, it is, mate. Um, you know, particularly where they're sort of looking. I know they've they've had that you know good win in the in the practice match, but um, you know who who are they sort of playing against? Um, you know, I think our performance against the Cats was, was pretty impressive. I'm not sure if the Hawks are playing against the same level of opposition. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a fascinating contest anyway, mate. And uh, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to, uh, you know, see if we can get the four points. All right. Well, um, we've got a fairly lengthy interview with Robert Shaw. I think it goes for oh, over an hour and 20, mate, is it? Yeah, about that, mate. Yeah, so he was very uh, kind with his time um, and he says some fascinating things. So I really hope uh, yeah, our listeners really enjoy his conversation because, you know, I just 
got so much out of it myself. Um, so why, why don't we um, yeah, throw it to a break, mate, and come back with the Robert Shaw interview. Beautiful. We'll do. And we're incredibly fortunate to have Robert Shaw on the line. So thanks, Robert, for joining us tonight. Jamie, Nick, how are you? Very good. Thank you, Robert. Um, Robert, uh, what, what's your uh, feelings around Essendon as a whole at the moment? Uh, you feel like we're in a good spot? Oh, well, I think we're in a good spot for a couple of reasons, I think. Um, and this is going to be quite difficult because when you're appraising certain areas of the club, um, you're inadvertently sort of criticising other areas. So what I'm seeing at the moment is a, um, a far greater increase in passion and uh, intensity. Um, there's some real emotion coming through. I think um, we will see um, we will see mistakes from Ben Rutten because he's a young coach. Mm. He's going to make mistakes, so we've got to we've got to understand that. And let's hope that they've just got the uh, a, a good group around them, around him. And um, but he he does have passion in his voice. He um, he's certainly embracing the. Um, identity of the club which um, has been sadly missing for a number of reasons and that sort of started with Paul Brasher um, who opened the batting with those discussions in some of the first uh, broadcaster members which I, I found um, quite enlightening um, and obviously a lot different to what the members got from Lindsay Tanner which was basically as a leader, probably unacceptable. Mm. Um, you don't have to be an Eddie Maguire or a Jeffrey Kennett, but you can be a Paul Brasher and you can communicate to the members. It might be um, once every two months. Um, so I found his attitude and that of uh, Rutten appears to be rubbing off onto the, uh, onto the club. Um, there appears to be a, a good sense of understanding where they're going and a lot more um, vibrancy in the footy club. And of course, uh, um, Rutten, Mark Harvey be involved, Kevin Sheedy be involved. This, um, this teaching the players about their history and the culture is something that's been um, grossly overlooked mm -hmm. um, in the past and it needs to happen. And while you don't live in the past, um, you can lose your identity, and I think we, we have done that. And um, even to the point where John Worsfold, I know John, I love John Worsfold, but, you know, John just made that mistake of calling us Essendon people in that interview. He did Essendon people, like, we're here, but Essendon people are over there. Whereas the good thing about um, Rutten and, and the new regime, there appears to be some real um, focus on identity. And I think that will help. Players mm -hmm. want to learn. Players want to know where they've been. And to see and see the photos, I, I guess everyone watching has looked at the gallery and on the website. And to see Draper talking to Don McKenzie and um, yeah. Ken Fraser there. And um, that, that's a, a just a simple jumper presentation like that um, is so much better 
for the players than the bells and the whistles and the, the crown palladium and you know, all that sort of stuff. I, I just thought, thought it was very, very meaningful. Yeah. So that's a good sign. That's a real good sign. And um, players might now start to learn who they're playing for mm. and why they're playing for them. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I think that's a, a really good point you, you bring up there, uh, Rob, because, you know, looking at, um, you know, what Track is sort of bringing in, like he is sort of really focusing on the history and the culture of this in football club. And obviously you've been involved in uh, different aspects as a player, obviously, uh, then you know, assistant coach and, and many roles there. So yeah. what, what do you see as the, the identity of the Essendon Football Club? Like, what, what, is, what does Essendon mean to you and, and what, how do you bring that in? Well, it's a thing like, um, how do I explain it? Um, <clears throat> oh, sorry, Doug. I've, I've had a, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, the Harley Davidson motorbike, right? Okay. Now, I think it was formed in 1903 and it's had takeovers. Uh, there's been um, economical strife. There's been um, every major component of that car in 100 years has been redesigned, redeveloped, changed. But I tell you what, if the three of us are standing in that corner and a Harley Davidson comes down the road, we identify it straight away. We can turn and say, yep, that's a Harley-Davidson motorbike. And it's gone through all these changes. So while Essendon can go through changes, and presidents, chairmen, coaches come and go, people like me come and go all the time, right? But if you lose your generational focus, that means the handing down. So let's just say every 10 years, like the 60s handed down, 80s handed down the values to the 90s team, the 2000 team, and I just think there's been a more than a gap year in Essendon's um, focus on what they're all about. I, I'm I'm passionate about history. I read about it. I've read every book written um, about Essendon um, from right when it started, and I just love that side of it. So that means a lot to me because when I walked into Essendon when I was 17. Um, People like Don McKenzie and Alec Eppis and Ted Fordham and Barry Capuano and Kevin Egan, all these greats from the 60s got hold of us young kids, myself, Ronnie Andrews, Simon Madden, um, Gary Folds, Merv Nagel. We all came in in that 70s era. And while it wasn't a great um, era on the ladder, um, a lot of those players came under the influence of some great players. So I think um, why we lost it, how we lost it, I don't know. But we did lose it and and it shows you we've lost it because the key figures of the club now, notably the coach and the, the, um, the, the chairman and um, the moving of Mark Harvey from coaching in, into a liaison role while... I'd prefer Mark to be in the coaching box, but um, his work behind the scenes can't be underestimated. Of course, you've got Kevin there as a um, as a sort of quality controller, checks and balances. So those four or five people working in unison, I think um, you're seeing the benefit of that. And I actually think it's an old cliche, but I will, and you can knock me down if I'm wrong, but I think you'll see some 
old values of, of playing for, for Essendon, playing for the jumper. And sadly, by saying that, I'm inferring that they haven't been. Mm-hmm. And given the events, I'm probably right in that area. Where yeah, four players yeah. walk out of a footy club. Why do four players walk out of a footy club? Mm. Four good young players in the prime of their career. Anyway, I don't want to go, oh, you'll probably ask me later, but yeah. So anyway. Yeah, yeah no, I can see that, Robert. But while we've got you, we may as well start with your career, um, you know, as a player. And yeah. You recruited from Tassie, Sandy Bay, yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah. And your first coach was uh, Des Tudnam. Yeah. Um, and- I was very lucky. Yeah, I walked into that club when I was 17. I, I, I wrote an article for the website. It's still on the website somewhere about um, growing up Essendon and what growing up in the community of Essendon meant because um, coming from Tasmania and moving to Essendon and living in Essendon um, and coming under the influence of those players and starting then, was uh, uh, it's uh, stayed with me to today and that's why Essendon's important to me. Not so much about what it is today, but what it sort of... Um, it sort of made me and, and that group that came through together, and we're very, very fortunate. And um, to walk into Essendon then um, and to last is is a really significant part of my life. And I've spent, you know, I've gone home to Tassie a couple of times with jobs and I've been to Fremantle and went to Adelaide, um, but I've never really moved out of the, um, the Essendon bubble, if you're allowed to say that these days. <laughs> um, so... That was just a great time of my life because you could play cricket and footy at the same time and um, um, you met all these unbelievable people. I've met Dick Reynolds and Jack Clark and Ken Fraser and it just list goes on. And sadly, the only one I didn't meet because he, he passed away the... He basically passed away the month I arrived and that was John Coleman. I never got a chance to meet mm-hmm. him. So that was extremely sad. Of your four, you had four coaches, I think, Robert, Des Tudnam, Bill Stephen, uh, Barry Davis, and then obviously Kevin Sheedy. Um, who, who do you think had the most impact on you as a player? Well, um, that's a great question. People, I would think um, Des Tudnam because he taught me to survive in VFL, you know, a ruthless attitude. Um, I was a young kid, scrawny kid. I think I was about six foot two and about 11 half stone. He taught me about being competitive and to fighting for what you want, not in a fist mm. point of view. And he gave me this competitive instinct to, and and that stayed with me because um, you need that and you needed it at that time. Um, I was... I was unfortunate with injury. Mm. You know, that was, I, I would have, I never actually, I'm talking about myself a little bit here, but I never actually had nine major operations in my career over eight, nine, ten years or whatever it was. So I never really found out. I thought it was, I could play okay because I played, when I was fit, they played me. So they all the coaches played me. So that told me something, but I never, all the blokes, you know, I was never going to be as good as Madden or Watson and Folds or Nogle, but but I think I was good enough to be in that team. Well, I, yeah, I was confident. I was, but I never I never found out. Never got the opportunity. So, Bill Stevens was about passion and youth and those young players that came in. Barry Davis was the first coach that um, got me thinking about coaching. He was a great coach. 
He was a great coach. Um, he had tactics. He had opposition planning meetings. Um, he was ahead of his time, but unfortunately for Barry, um, he was an absolute man of his word. But it's worked out pretty well because Barry said, if we don't make the finals in 1980, I'm going to stand down. Um, and we missed out on the finals, in, uh, but it opened the door for Kevin Sheedy. So if Barry hadn't had done that, who knows where our history would have gone. But I got a bit out of every coach. Um, Barry Davis was interesting because um, he turned the light on to analysis and and watching opposition players and taking down training notes and preparing training. So he gave me the impetus to think, um, because what was I then? I was only um, 24, 80, whatever I was. Anyway, so, and then Sheeds came along and changed, turned the whole place up and um, I did my knee and I did my shoulder and I only had two years with Sheeds, but he kept me there in 83 and then I went coaching, so... I can't speak highly enough. You know, I get very annoyed when co uh, players that retire, and it's a modern phenomenon. We we would do whatever our coach asked us to do, right? And I love my four coaches, and they're all different. So how lucky was I? I haven't got a bad word to say a, 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 about any of the coaches that I've had at Essendon because they were great people. They were totally different, totally different in their own characteristics and their own mode of coaching. And um, so I, I was very, very lucky. Beautiful. So, you know, with that, uh, Robert, so you see, so did get the 51 games in over that time, you know, obviously uh, crawled through injury. But, um, you know, was it, um, you know, with, with Barry Davis and then through Kevin Sheedy that sort of got you thinking, okay, if I'm on the sidelines, I can do X analysis yeah. on, on opposition, that kind of stuff. Uh, and is that what you think, you know, sort of got you like, well, well, Sheedy sort of said, yep, stay yeah. on the club as our opposition analyst. Well, that that that's exactly how it happened. I was, um, I had a meeting with Kevin. I reckon I was 26 years of age, right? So that's pretty reasonably young. Mm -hmm. And I said, and that was on the back of a knee operation and a, um, a shoulder operation. And basically I'd fallen out of love with the contest. I was too scared to play because, uh, so I sat down with him. And he gave me the job in 1983, the year we played in the um, grand final. Um, I was one of the first opposition people. I would go and watch the opposition in Melbourne. And then Saturday nights, I would go to the, after the game, like these are, look at what we're doing now, Zoom and that, God. So <laughs> I'd go to the Channel 7 van after the game and get the big tapes that have a tape for me. And I'd go home and in my <coughs> in my apartment, I've had three or four of the old pneumatic, yeah. you know, they're about that thick and about that long. You, 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 you've seen them and with the big tapes straight from, so I'd run them off onto um, VHS or Beta and um, give them to Sheeds on Sunday morning. I'd be up till three o'clock in the morning of a, a Saturday night and give them to Sheeds and he would, um, he'd say to me, um, do all our centre bounces or do Carlton's centre bounces. So I started, then I started adding a report. And he goes, what's this? And he's, I, I'd do a page report. I see where Melbourne, 
um, Peter Moore at Collingwood's doing this and this. And that sort of started um, me along the road of analysing, which is, I, it, it, I love that part of it. It's also, my, my, if you said, what's your strength? I said to be able to analyse how opposition teams play and how they win or how they can beat you. But then I'd got the hunger for it. So I went back, to, I went to Tassie and coached there for, for a couple of years and um, actually played again and um, played for Clarence in the Tasmanian Football League. You got a flag there too, didn't you? Yeah, we won 84 and we lost um, we lost um, 85 by four points. We beat Glenorchy, um, very strong, great club. Um, we beat them comfortably in 84 and lost by... Um, Four points in '85, and then I, I was happy. The, I had my first. Uh, we had our first child down there, um, Kate, and I was home. And then, of course, what happens? Sheeds rings and says, "Oh, you know, Kevin Morris has gone to South Australia, coast West Adelaide. I want you to come back and coach the seconds." God. So up we're packing up and off we go again. Like this happened twice. Like the end of. Um, 97, um, I finished with Adelaide, uh, couldn't get a job because in those days, if you're a sack coach, mm. no one wanted you. It's all, so much different now, which is great. Um, the Coaches Association and the Players Association are so far advanced. So we headed home um, the end of 98, worked in with the Tassie Footy League. That was great. Bought a house in Hobart, beautiful house, went fishing, you know, I was loving life and he's done it again. <laughs> so every time I moved to Tasmania and bought somewhere, so I said to him, mate, I've got to keep buying. I shouldn't have sold in Melbourne. I keep buying in Tassie. And then I said, you've rung me again. He said, oh, well, I noticed you're going to come back in, uh, I don't know, I, 87, 88, 89. No, I was at Fitzroy in 89, so... Must have been 86, yeah, after 85. <clears throat> so I went back to coach the twos, and that was good because that was my first um, venture into AFL coaching, was to coach Essendon seconds in the late 80s. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, what about me People want to know how their footy team's going to go this year, not, not how many bloody knee operations I had. Oh, well, no. well, no. we're on the subject, Robert. Uh, when you left in 2005 to take over... Yeah, the whole place fell apart. <laughs> I was going to say, you realise that you're uh, being held responsible for us not winning a final since you left. <laughs> I know. You... Oh, it's true. Me and Harves went to Fremantle and look what's happened to you. Yeah, too much intel. <laughs> I've got asked back, but I've never been asked back, so there must be a lesson of that. They're trying to separate us, I think. They won't have us in the same club together. We're too mischievous. We yeah. muck around too much. Sheets reckons we're a couple of cowboys. <laughs> but that's good. We we had a lot of fun and we had a lot of success. And uh, those, uh, those 98 to, what, when did I go to Fremantle? 2006, man, went So to 2005. Mm. So, yeah, that's in the historical records. You haven't won a final since <laughs> Exactly. They need to get his back, I think. Um, oh, but... <laughs> no. uh, he won't do that. Anyway, yeah. keep going. Yeah. So, well, if someone had said to you when you left Essendon um, in 2005, hey, Robert, in the year 2021, 
Essendon's line have still won a final, would you have said they were crazy? Um, oh, of course, we all all said that, but um, there's been some significant moments along the way, um, um, and history defines you, and so does decision making, right? Um, and this is where it gets a little bit murky and a little bit um, uncomfortable for me because I know how hard the job is, right? And we've had the we had the Matthew Knight's Damien Hardwick scenario. Yeah, we had, and um, Matty Knights has gone on to have a great career as an assistant coach. But I felt Matthew didn't embrace what we spoke about at the start of the show about bracing culture. Mm. So a lot of people left Essendon because he was advised, look, you, you know, you've taken over from Kevin Sheedy. You can't have the shroud of Kevin Sheedy hanging over you. Mm. And one way you do that is. You get rid of your Solomons to Fremantle and Mark Johnson and Lloyd retires and Lucas goes and Jason Johnson goes. And all of a sudden, you know, there's a there's a void of teaching. There's a void of handing the baton down. Yeah. And um, that didn't work well. The herd thing was, was good. The saga thing was no good. I'm not going to go into depth of that. That was just... Yeah. Um, um, and then the recovery phase involved Bomber. It involved Goodwin coach for a while and Matty Egan coach for a while and Bomber came back and she, you understand what I mean? Yeah, All yeah. of a sudden um, we changed, who have we had? We've had Evans, Little, Tanner, Brasher, what, in seven years? Yeah. Four chairmans. Eddie was at Collingwood for 20 Love him or hate him. He's at Collingwood for 23 years. You do things Collingwood way. All of a sudden, you've got a new president. We've had a reasonably settled CEO yeah. for this is his eighth year, but he hasn't had success as a CEO. Wow. Has he brought the right people to the club? That's for our members to ask about. Mm. We've had Wusher, I thought, was sensational for two years. And I thought... I'll give you this scenario. I thought they should have said to him, wonderful, magnificent, thank you. Even give him a life membership because what he did was worth life membership. Hmm. But his next three years of coaching were poor. And that was the time, that was the time we lost our, we lost, you know, people fell out of love with the club. Yep. Our members said we fell out of love. We needed passion, emotion. That was the time. I would have set up a succession plan with Dean Solomon. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, Dean is part of the club. Uh, yeah, but so even though they're my own personal opinions, I don't think they're real. I, I, I would think that um, people watching this would not be surprised in anything I, I said there. No. There's nothing controversial because yeah. they're just opinions. As I said, Worsfold, first two years, magnificent what he did. Yep. And, but then it just... So all of a sudden we've had all these things happen and looking back at it now, no. In hindsight, no surprise at all. No surprise at all. And um, that's why people that know their footy, that are on Twitter and Facebook and doing these sort of things and have a passion for Essendon are now looking at this saying, hey, I like what I see. Mm -hmm. And it's not rocket science. 
And it's not just rutten. I can assure you it's not rutten. There's a lot of people working together. And that might be the key. A lot of people working together. Because Essendon became a little bit about self-interest and um, who can be the biggest, um, uh, you know, uh, what is it, the biggest hanger. And uh, I think we became... Too money-focused? Well, that's good. Your core business is footy. Mm. We went one way and our core business went the other. But we couldn't... I I think the business of football and the the core business um, weren't weren't dovetailed in enough. So, but um, it's easy to say now because it's the proof's in the pudding. Mm. But now we look to now... And uh, to me, there's a clear delineation. There's a, there is a clear, that I hate the saying, but there is a, cl- a clear line being drawn here mm. between what's happened in the past and where they're going now. This is, would be, I, I've been, I'm a life member and I've been around a long time. I actually feel like, this is going to be a shocking thing to say. I actually feel like I'm following the Essendon Football Club. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm actually, I actually recognise something that I've followed, mm. and um, that's a credit to Rutten, and and the people involved there now. That's a credit to him, that an independent, an independent observer, like myself, that loves watching footy. I don't don't always go but I love watching footy. I love watching it by myself. Can I actually sit there and say, you know what? That looks like Essendon. And if people said, well, what do you mean by that? You can't explain it because you have to have a lifetime of being involved with Essendon. So, so gee, I hope it, 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 I hope people stick and I hope people, like you can criticise and if he has a bad day in the coach's box, put it on the podcast, put it on, you know, if he makes it, but all that sort of, that's fine. That's fine. But if this continues to keep going, um, there's a fair bit of light at the end of the tunnel here, especially with, um, um, they've got a good core of senior players and the growth of Parrish and McGrath and Ridley and, uh, and um, Langford has been really, really good and will continue to improve. That's where the side's going to really grow in that area. Yeah. You can't ask Archie Perkins and Nick Cox and Harrison Jones to come in in round one and, you know. <clears throat> so it'll be Langford and Parrish and it'll be those blokes, I, I, I feel, that are really push Essendon along. Rob, can I just ask you, back in 2001, or, you know, at the end of, after we lost that grand final, the Brisbane... Yeah. You think we lost a bit of our identity then when we had that um, constraints of the salary cap? Well, we were totally over budgeted. It sounds like. And oh, look, yeah, no, there was a couple of things that happened. One was football, um, and it's a bit of a long bow. But both teams sort of went down after that. That remember the remember the comeback game and the exhausting comeback game when we were seventy points down and. It broke North Melbourne's back, but it also broke ours a bit because it, it, our, our season from then on leading into the finals and North, we just dropped away. And then from then on, so I reckon that was um, 
that took out huge reserves out of the club because no one had ever done that before. No one ever seen that before. I know it affected North Melbourne psychologically. Mm. Um, and getting to point B, um, it was an administrative error, mm. an, an administrative error by the CEO at the time mm. that... Um, that um, thought that the AFL was going to increase the, uh, was it the salary cap or the veterans allowance? Which the veterans allowance, it was, yeah. yeah. So that basically means um, we were given a green light and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not potting anyone here because you can read, you can read it. And even Peter Jackson himself has said, I was under the impression it would go to 10%, mm. but it only went 3% and we'd sign players based on 10%. Mm. Yeah. Right, but what what he didn't like is that then that's the problem. You blokes fix it, yeah. and that's average. That's ordinary, and um, that was amazingly disappointed because myself, um, Sheeds, Harves, we had to get on the phone to these players and say um, we're over the salary cap. So we we got um, we got given um, parameters. You could get rid of, um, I don't know, say one Matthew Lloyd or four, uh, one really, really high price player, or you can get four reasonably well. So yeah. who knows? Who knows? But um, you're quite right. Um, we still, we have a, um, all those boys, the 2000 side meets every November with the staff. Players and officials and staff. Um, it's quite remarkable. They've been doing this for now, um, uh, coming up to 20 years. Every November in the Spring Carnival, they um, they're a unique group. And you're probably right because um, we get trainers, staff, physio, the whole lot. So there's, there's a function for 50 people, and um, it always comes up what could have been, um, it's harsh to say there is a breaking of trust. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that's right. There was uh, an assumption, a poor administrative assumption that cost us four players, maybe another crack at a grand final, certainly a, a lowering of enthusiasm and... Um, because these were, these were outstanding people. Yeah. And they were fabric players. They weren't heard Lloyd McCurry, Mercedes. Mm -hmm. They were your 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th player picked every week. They were your core, right? Mm -hmm. And while, while Hurd will dominate and Merckx will dominate, you can't win without your core, and we lost our core. It did give other players opportunities, and I must admit that... Um, the likes of um, Jacobs, um, Rioli, McVeigh. Bolton. Yeah, they came in and, yeah, but no, you're right. And, and it, everything's linked and there's no doubt. Um, does it go back to then? Um, I think I read where Peter Jackson said it did go back to then. I, I, I don't believe so because we continue to play in finals and all that sort of thing. Um, I, I, I think it goes back to um, 
when when Matthew Knights was strongly encouraged to move away from from um, <coughs> the Kevin Sheedy connection, whereas some clubs will embrace. Mm. Um, that's very very important. So. <coughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel, no, I feel I feel that was handled really badly, the same as you. Um, and Matthew Lloyd's pretty much on record. He he couldn't wait to get out of the club because of Matthew Knights. And and he well, said that I wouldn't go that far. That's Matthew's decision. Um, yeah. I, I just think um, Matthew Knights is a good coach. Mm. I get on well with him personally. I just think once again, I just think he he. He took the wrong road. He could have taken the right-hand one and embraced them all, but you're you're right. We we lost a lot. We lost a lot more of our cultural significance in that era than we did because of the uh, the salary cap stuff up. Yeah, and then, no doubt in my mind. And it doesn't look like we've recovered, does it? Even no. though we went back to favourite sons, mm. you know, we went back to Hurd and Thompson. Um, yeah, no, none of us want to go over the drug saga, so we'll leave that no, out. Well, I don't know enough about it. I stayed right yeah, out of that yeah. because I wasn't qualified. I wasn't in the club. Yeah. Um, I got confused when I read it. Yeah. Um, I got very supportive. Mm -hmm. Then I'd get angry. Mm -hmm. So in the end, I was getting quite unsure how I was reading it because um, lifelong friends of mine were affected. You know, mm -hmm. the great... Doc Reed, you know, I, I don't know the truth. Mm. So I don't have an opinion. I'm happy to talk about the salary cap or I'm happy to talk about yeah. knives or I'm happy to talk about Rutten and Worsfold because I think I've got facts. Yeah. I haven't got facts in this discussion. So other than to say my emotions were on a roller coaster, I could not believe, you know, when we all woke up that morning and said, oh, drug scandal hits club. Mm. Going, oh, yeah, geez, who's this going to be? <laughs> it, you wouldn't believe it. It's a thousand to one to think it was the old, mm. same old Essendon, the conservative blokes from Windy Hill. It, it just didn't. But then when you look at some of the personnel involved, you yeah. get an understanding. And um, so obviously that had an impact. Yeah. But I, how good yeah. a coach do you reckon Hurdy could have been? Oh, yeah. mate, I, I just think, yep, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And see, that's another interesting story about the um, about uh, the uh, the Knights appointment because Sheeds Sheed said, I'm going to go to the board. Sheeds Sheed's pretty clever. He did want to keep coaching. <laughs> so he had this strategy that he, he said, he went to the board and said, I'll keep coaching for another two years, <laughs> right, and I'll have heard ready to go for a succession plan. So Sheeds would have kept going. Heard would have had a two-year apprenticeship and coached a lot earlier. Don't yeah. know. I, I always worry, whether it's James Heard or Polly Farmer, or, it doesn't matter. Um, I love apprenticeships, whether it's three years in the system. And I don't mind, you know, um, Rutten's come from Adelaide, Richmond, Essendon. Heard came out of corporate world Essendon. Mm. Yep. Um, you get, but he, to answer your question, um, I hope he comes back. No, you know, that's, uh, I hope he coaches in the AFL again and shows people. Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't know how he's going to do it. Mm. Um, 
but I'm talking AFL. I'm not being specific to Essendon because mm. um, be, he's outstanding. Mm. But um, Well, I think that's part of the healing process myself. Is that it's a long healing process. It uh, might still be a, a fair way to go because he, he got pretty crook. And, um, but he was, yeah. at the, uh, it was at the ground the other night to watch his son play in the VFL. Mm. Yeah, but there's photos uh, of him sitting in the back of a car. So, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. does he not have the... Is it because he doesn't want to put any spotlight on his son? Does it? Is it because he doesn't feel welcome? Like, like to me, a part of that would be feeling... a bit, uh, There would also be people there that he um, lost faith in, lost yep. trust for. So I would say there would be. Um, it would a lot of it would be about his son. Mm. Oh, there's James Hurd's son. How yeah. hard is that going to be? Mm. Not a bad player, young Tommy, but you don't want. Yeah. Do you want yeah. to be James Hurd's son? <laughs> yeah. you know, and I say that with the greatest. I, I've known him since he was a baby. I've held him as a – but that's a that's a tough gig. Yeah. So staying in the car and staying out of the way, that would be about his son. And then there's four or five other reasons. Um, he would also – mate, he, he was he was hospitalised because, mm. you know, yeah. so he's got a fair way to go. But we always thought – and we always – we always say at the um, the reunion, and we, we and Ramanaskis and these blokes are very close to him. You know, he feels he's let them down and he can't face them. Mm. You know that sort of thing. Um, so there's a bit of that, <coughs> a bit of anger, mm. a bit of lack of support, mm. a bit of people surviving at the club that you know mm. when he's not. So mate, it, there's a bit of everything. You just send him a text every now and again, how are you going? And, you know, so we're still, and it's true, you know, we try and, we try and get him to the that one function a year, but, and he says, yeah, I'm coming then right at the last minute, you know, it's yeah. it's sad, but understandable, not a lot of pressure from the boys, so come on. And, and they're the boys that he needs. They love him and he loves them. That's his team. There is, we're his coaches. And we want him back in our circle now. Mm. I was, I was thinking, he's dragging him. We're going to kidnap him. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go and kidnap him and take him to a game, you know, because, like, imagine imagine spending your life have to go and isolate a super box so no one sees you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, come out and sit in the outer with us. Come on. We'll take. But, you know, the attention of the crowd would automatically, won't it? You yeah. imagine it. He yeah. won't want that because um, he'll feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, he's probably our greatest living legend in terms of um, the way he's seen, to, you know, it's, especially with the supporter base. Um, yeah, he's. Yeah, well, there's no, I think he is. Um, Coleman, Hutchison, Reynolds, Fraser would give him a run for his money. Um, Watson, Madden. No, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, yeah, yeah and, and that's a that's a great accolade. Oh, definitely. Considering, as you said, those other players you named, yeah. they're, they're so good in their own right. Like you look at, like you know, we didn't mention Dustin Fletcher. Then you know another one. Is, oh well, yeah. <laughs> so there's another one. So like, but Simon Madden at one point had the games record and the goal kicking record, um, yeah. and he stayed loyal, you know, even though he was often. 
go to Sydney many times. Oh, yeah. Big, yeah. big cash. So. Oh, I went through that. Yeah. So it's, we've been really lucky with our legends. And like, yeah. that's why it's really important. I'd love to see James actually you know, feel welcome enough to, to or, and oh, confident no, enough. I've got no doubt that, no, that's probably the, James, that's probably the wrong. Um, oh, he's welcome enough. Good. That's what we're, I want to hear. Oh, <laughs> mate, he's um, absolutely, we're desperate to bring him back into the, um, in firstly into the past players huddle first and then and then maybe into bigger bigger things later on. You know, there's been talk of, like he'd make a wonderful, it's just so good with people. You know, there's other roles there. He would be, because of his business and where he took Jember and that, um, he'd make an outstanding CEO. Mm. Outstanding CEO of the business and people because he just understands it. A footy manager, he'd do on his ear. Three or four jobs, he'd make a, 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 he'd make a great chairman in his 50s or 60s of the club. So there's four or five, six roles there that he would do very, very easily. Um, but I can't help you with the time frame at all. Yep. Yeah, just uh, talking of time frames. Oh, you're back, uh, Nick. You're back. You know, from <laughs> oh, look, mate, I thought does, I'd uh, Does, does thought the I'd sound take in. a long time to come through from Canberra, does it? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, you run out of questions. <laughs> Absolutely. No, so look, talking about time frames, you know, and uh, looking at the, the current list, obviously we've yep. uh, sort of gone to development now, and I think that's um, it's definitely the right call, um, you know, because we've tried the top up from, from here, there and everywhere and uh, without that solid core that you sort of talked about, uh, it makes it very difficult to, to keep things going. So as you mentioned before, we've got some very talented youngsters. So you've got, you know, Parrish, uh, Jones, Caldwell, um, all these guys. They'll take a bit to gel. But, I mean, where do nah, you sort of... Stop that. Stop that. So yeah. I'm going to stop you there. Do not <laughs> that word. Okay, yeah. How many... We've had gel. We've had... Um, We've got to stop using these words to sum up seasons, right? How, 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 I'll give you the scenario, right? And it's not working at the moment. I reckon if Hurley, and it's not going to happen, but a month ago it was, if Hurley and Stringer have great years at each end of the, each end of the, the ground, and this is why I'm so disappointed, if, if that scenario played out, why can't Essendon play in the finals? And I'll tell you why, because to me, I'll have to write it down. I've got Brisbane, Geelong, Port, Richmond and West Coast in the eight. Mm. The rest of them you can throw a blanket over, mm. right? Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, Essendon, Carlton. I'll tell you I like, I really like Fremantle. Okay. There's my black book special. <laughs> they've got a gun coach and, and their young kids have had two or three years. And then I'll say, well, if I'm pumping up Fremantle, what's the difference between Essendon and Fremantle? I hate rebuild because you're all, and I hate development. You're always developing. You're always looking to develop your next premiership side. So don't make excuses. Don't give me rebuilds. Don't give me, oh, it's a development year. Don't give me, you know, and I, I'm a big Twitter. Oh, I don't mind where we finish as long as we have a go. No, that's rubbish. 
I do mind. I don't want to finish second last. It does. Because this side might have three young players in, but a lot of these players have played a lot of football together. Right? They're up near 80 to 100 games. Once you get to 80 to 100 games, right, you, you pretty quickly run out of excuses. And this is where that McGrath and the Langford and the Parrot, that's where it now starts. You can't go to Archie Perkins, come on and be the saviour or Jones or, or Young Cox. I, I hope they get a game. I hope, you know, but we're good enough this year to really push into this this eight. But now I've got to take that back a bit because I reckon the loss of Hurley, and if Stringer can't recover from that Achilles, um, that's that hurts you more than losing those players. Because I think, you know, there were things that the four players all brought something different because, and it's very easy now on social media to say they were no good. And you said, it and I said, it, right? Mm. But they were good. Mm. Fantasia set the Melbourne cricket ground alight. Danaher is the only player that's kicked over 50 goals apart from Matthew Lloyd in the last 20 years, mm. right? And, of course, those two blokes, look at the way the game is now with this standing on the mark. It's made for McKenna and Saad with their run. That's they're the types of people that are gonna come in. I think I think they're losses, but I think the club can recover sooner rather than later and um and have a good year. I'm that's what I said to you before. I, I'm 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 optimistic given the level of the competition. There's not a lot of great teams in the competition. If things fall into place, Rutten has a good year in the coach's box. Some players come through and injuries, which has really been an Achilles heel of Essen for a significant amount of time. Injuries are just a medium level. Um, we, I saw enough in that Geelong game to say that is a system, right? Because that's a system that stands up. That's a good style of game because I'd, you know, we moved the ball from halfback with run and handball and pace, you know, and that slingshot game, that's not the way Essen have got, Essen have generally got a very strong rounded game. And that's what I liked about that Geelong, um, that Geelong hit out. And I, I find it quite extraordinary that we're Hawthorne are favourites to beat us. Where, yeah. that now they are in a rebuild yeah. and they yeah. put their hand up and they are said we are rebuilding it's an exciting time for Hawthorne we are rebuilding our side with mm -hmm. $2.20 and they're $1.73 or something mate don't gamble <laughs> but if you did gamble get on yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um I'd be I'd be extremely disappointed mm. if Essendon didn't toss Hawthorne at Marvel Stadium. Extremely yeah. so. And it's going to be a pro bomber crowd. It's been a home game, and there's only twenty six thousand able to get in. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much sold out. Yeah, I got yeah. in. Yeah, I'm how, going. 
Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm an AFL member with uh, Essendon's club support. So I've got What's my... that, mate? Are you at the t- where, where, No, serious question. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to work out now what I do. Like, see this here? Yeah. That, that's a letter from the club about my life membership tickets and how I can... Um, yeah. But I, I generally give mine to my kids and my grandkids to go. Yeah. Because I'd rather them go than me. Yeah. Um, um, so is the AFL club support ones at the top, then the high mark, then the silver? How does it work? Yeah, so we're at 10 o'clock today, the tickets went on sale for people who barracked for Essendon or Hawthorne who yeah. are AFL members. So they got, them. They, got they, them. they got them in first. And at 10.45, the AFL members was filled up. So um, then Essendon had their own tickets for sale from 1 yeah. o'clock. So 1 o'clock... Um, Sort of members who are high mark and and silver okay. and gold could get their tickets then. But um, so there's 26 is there, and they wanted to go to the yeah. Yeah. That, I'm sort of glad it's still at Marble, not for our supporters, because I wanted another 20,000 there. But um, Hawthorne's home ground, they've uh, they play very well at the Melbourne Crew ground. I'm after the four points. Yep. I'm after four points. If if we've done a great preseason, one of the best things that could happen for Rutten and his coach me's coaches and the club is to get reward for effort and reward for effort is not so oh i'm not sure we get anything out of people saying oh weren't they good they pushed hawthorne this mm. is not the hawthorne we know mm. so i hope we get reward from effort four points it'll give everyone a wonderful boost and then we move on to game two yeah um, that's what i think should, would happen and round two, of course, we have to go over to Port. So it's really important to start off on a good foot, I reckon, against... Well, that's uh, right. And then I think you've got... Um, I, it's awkward. I think then you've got the Saints, yeah. Sydney away and Brisbane away. So yeah. it's... I, I'm optimistic, but you don't want to blink because you can be 0-5. Yeah. But um, the glass half full on me um, sees a 3-2, a 4-1, yeah. like... Three twos are uh, uh, three twos okay. Mm. That's a base to start with, yeah. yeah, and get some players back into the side. Anyway, yeah, um, Zach Merrick's got a big decision at the end of the year. Um, he has. He's a huge I, I, player I for us. I put something on Twitter about that. I yeah, wonder. and um, I've turned my phone off because someone would ring. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think. Um, well, let, let's forget his name. Uh, the, the reason the player doesn't sign is because he wants to look. Mm. He wants to look, firstly, internally. Has my club got a vision? Are they providing me with the greatest opportunity to be my best? Are we in finals contention? Um, how, how, how old is Zach now? 25, 26, yeah. Yeah, right. So we're getting there. Right. Um, what's the environment like? Is it conducive to et cetera, et cetera? <clears throat> that would be more, in my opinion, and I've um, I've said three words to him in my life. Good day, <laughs> mate. <laughs> so um, I know I know a bit more through that, through school footy and that, but um, I think that would be the much more important than, than the dollars in the marketplace, okay. right? Because you, he loves Essendon, he likes his mates, um, but he's a perfectionist. He works hard 
Um, it's got focus. I, I just think it's, I just think it's environment. You give him environment, you give him vision, and you give him above all hope. He stays. Good. Um, would you say he's our best player, Robert? Um, look, I can't say that a Melbourne grammar boy is better than a Brighton <laughs> grammar boy. I'm, I, I'm not allowed to say that. I'm sorry. I can't pump up Melbourne grammar blokes after spending 10 years at Brighton grammar and with, with McGrath. So I'm going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, who we got? Um, yeah, he's pretty good, isn't he? He's pretty good. Yeah. The bloke you want, you if he has an all, like the key to it's Stringer, I'm telling you. Mm. All Australian Footscray and a premiership. Yep. He does all Australian this year after a slow start. You, you're in business, and I don't, I don't mind putting it on him because he's big and ugly enough to look after himself. But he's just the, everyone else will play well. He can, like he did at the Dogs, he can change a team from a good team to hey, this is a real good team. So I don't want to harp on him, and that's why I said, you know, I, I, we've been unlucky with those two, with the uh, infection to Hurley and the. Achilles, that that that's unlucky, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, well, Stringer's my favourite player, so for that Is counts he? for anything. Yeah, I, lo- I love watching him play. I just think he's he's got that uniqueness about him, you know, where he can just pull goals out of his backside sometimes. And yeah, other... well, well, that's what we need. We yeah. need, you know, yeah, great player. Um, I wanted to ask you: Have you seen the Prime documentary? Not uh, yet. Yeah, it's really good. What's that on? Uh, it's on Prime. It's a Amazon Prime. Uh, it's basically a, another one like Netflix, but they oh, have. Right, eh? so I've got to I've got to join up. Yeah, right, it's only eh? seven bucks a month, so it's not that much. But um, uh, you I'll know... tell you, I've got a problem because when the um, I was teaching like we're doing now, I'm at school and um, being in lockdown, I I, I blew my usage and my data. <laughs> um, I didn't know you could watch. Uh, Netflix for 24 hours straight and not lose any data. <laughs> so I blew the whole. I blew the whole internet. Jeez, I saw some good shows. Though. That was the only good side about um, uh, isolation. There's yeah. some great shows on there. So, all right, yeah, of course I'm going to watch it. And um, so you've got a question? Yeah, I was just. I was I more. Seen it. Yeah, no, no. So this is not this is more around coaching in general because they show some of the exit interviews and so forth. Yeah. Now you would yeah. have been part of those. That must be the most uncomfortable thing to do as a coach. Well, they are, and they remain that because um, you're ending careers mm. in some case. That's not good. Mm. And I've been doing it for twenty years, and it's not good. And there's no way. So in the end, you become pretty um, black and white. I'm sorry. You've been a great servant for our club, uh, but we have to tell you this way. um, There's no longer space on our list. We won't be contracting you. These are the reasons why we're going to go with um, Jones, Perkins and um, Cox. So uh, if you lie... You're in all sorts of trouble, mm. but the truth, and it's a cliche, and it's a, and it's a theme. The truth hurts badly, real bad. How and, much of that uh, do you take home? 
Sorry? How much of that do you take home with you? you know, oh, a lot. A lot yeah. as a coach. Yeah, a lot as a coach. And you lose you lose a bit of a enthusiasm for like senior coaching. That's the only thing I'm well, I'm worried about Rutten because he's done an okay apprenticeship. Um, but gee, he's I know he's he seems well prepared and he's well organized. There's nothing like getting there on Saturday and having the weight of 80,000 Essen supporters on you in the coach's box because he will be scrutinised. I don't think he'll get any... Um, because he's been at Richmond with the Premiership and he's done a good apprenticeship here, um, he's going to get a few credits, but um, it's going to be interesting. And, and like, he's lost... He's like, well, Worsfold's gone, Harvey's gone, and Kelly left mm. five minutes ago. Mm. So those three have gone, and June Syracuse came in. So to my way of thinking, <laughs> and I'll, I'll pose this question, um, have they left Ben Rutten light on for coaches? I think with Kelly's money... Um, instead of dispersing his, uh, uh, amalgamating his role with all the other coaches, that just adds another layer. I would love to see um, give Ben a part-time um, oh, analyst or someone like that. Not me. Don't. <laughs> not for goodness sake, no. Um, and a part-time in player development or even two in player development. Because if the club's theme is development, development, we're in a development mode, which they can be, put the resources in. Don't lose three coaches, replace them with one and not add to your player development arm of your club, which now appears to be the most, forget the opposition block, um, it now appears to be the most important department in Essendon at the moment, given where Essendon's list is. And yet they didn't do it. So I'm, I don't know the background, but on face value, I am critical of that decision because um, let's say he was on $100,000. I don't know what he was on. Let's say 100, right? So mm -hmm. 100 goes back in the bank. Go and get two part-timers and pay them 30 each. And you still keep, you know, but give the players some more resources. I think we're light on in our coaching ranks. I think we've got... Rutten, Carousella, oh, it doesn't matter. I think we're one or two down on on the club on the on um, club average. Mm. Hang on, I've got it here. In terms of development, though, like they do have um, Lee Tudor. They've got a lot of um, sort of yeah, Tudor. Cameron Roberts is in development. He's from the Amateurs. Kelly's gone. So at the moment, we've got Carousella, June Syracuse, Jordan Roberts, and Tudor. Mm. With Kelly out. Yeah. And if you've got forty dollars to spend, buy that book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get the guide. I get the guide every year, mate. So I do yeah, that no, wrong. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's very good. Um, do you reckon Dean Solomon could be back at the Bombers at over a point in time? Or? Oh, I was hoping he would be back, yeah. but once again, as I said, um, 
it's not a case of Solomon should be back in place of ABC or Ratner should be part of. I yeah. I thought um, Solomon should be the target of the succession plan after two or three years of John, right? So obviously, um, I've worked closely with Dean. He's done a, an eight or nine in the toughest gig. I always look at the blokes that have coached. Pretty easy to coach, um, be an assistant coach, um, and they all get gigs. But when Hawthorne were flying on West Coast, you go and be an assistant coach at Gold Coast for nine years, mm. you've learned a lot. You've mm. seen every side of football. Um, he would be, I'm just thinking, he's the next Essendon, not Essendon coach, he's the next coach from Essendon, in my opinion. He'll have a year off and it's just a matter of which club he goes to, not if he goes to a club. Not as a senior coach, because I think they'll get him in as a senior assistant coach, but he is a senior coach in waiting. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy where it's going. It's going well. Well, hang on. How can you say it's going well? It's February, March. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I think everyone agrees that there are See, Essendon people have been burnt a lot. They've been made promises. They've been sold everything, you know, um, and nothing's come to fruition. So they're a little bit sceptical, you know. Um, um, even the talk, you know, even the, um, even the discussion by Brasher to the members first up was very good, but, geez, it polarised the members. 50 said, oh, this is great. I've been waiting to hear this. I haven't heard this. Where was Tanner? Where was Little? Where was Evans? They never did this. This is great, which is probably I'm in that area. Yeah. Certainly with regards to uh, Lindsay Tanner, I thought he was disappointing. So Brasher is good in that area, but the same sign, okay, you know. Yeah. No, totally. Um, so on, the, on the other side, people are saying, "No, can we just um, can we just wait? We'll, we'll, we'll wait till we see some action, words, actions." Yeah. Are you still working with the club uh, as an identifier of talent for the no, school? No, I got program? sacked. I got you got sacked. sacked. You're one of the COVID um, casualties. Oh, look! I said that with a smile on my face, and it sounds I um, I think there were forty percent of the club that had to be told. Mm. I might have been high 30s. And yeah, I was one. I just had a I had a beautiful job. <laughs> no doubt about that because I came out of the school system and um, uh, Adrian Dodoro and Dan Richardson wanted me to focus purely and simply on um, school football, the, the private school system, the Associated Grammar Schools, APS, the Catholic Colleges and watch them when they go and play school. So you get a different perspective of them because you see them play different roles. And um, I, I took the phone call and I, look, I've been in the system, so I'm not going to really, I've been in the system a long time and I've had far worse phone calls than that. But um, that was, um, I loved that job. Mm. I absolutely loved it because I, I love young talent nurturing and developing young talent and that was a great arm but um mate there's some people there that have young families so i'm not i've no complaints from me at all um i've got more to give i feel 
and yep. my time hasn't come, but I really thought for those young people that have got married, have a mortgage, uh, and it was very, very difficult for CEOs of all clubs to have to do that. Yep. Oh. 30, 35, it was 40%, I reckon, uh, talking to Xavier Campbell, I reckon it was 40% at Essendon. So these are really good people, really good people that I've, I've known for a long time and, and some of them I've known since they were kids that have come to work for Essendon Footy Club. So um, in two or three years' time, let's hope when the, the clubs and the, the comp is back on its feet, they're half a chance to get their jobs back because the club's growing all the time. Um, and now the, with the, the, the women's footy, the VFL, the new facilities, the um, the makeup or the redo of Windy Hill, which will add another dimension, the club's growing really, really big. Adrian Dodoro's had the recruiting reins for 20-odd well, years now. Um, what would you think, like... Some people judge him harshly and say, well, he has never given us a finals side, basically, after... Yeah, he's never... Um, yeah. Um, he had a, oh, it's really hard to make... A, I've known him since... Um, what's that? Uh, end of... End of the 90s. So that's 30-odd years. So he's a good friend of mine. Makes it very difficult. Um, yeah, a difficult question. Um Obviously, uh, yeah, it's it's not all over the place. I think he's brought some great young talent to this footy club, some great young talent. Um, has he given away too much for some high-profile people to come in that cost us? Um, we lost... Um, I think he's been in two salary cap situations, not him. Mm. Um, obviously, the saga yep. just yep. Knocked, knocked the pants out of our recruiting department. Um, I'd give him a good. I'd give him a good. Yeah. Um, but then you look at the other side of it. You look at the Wellses and that that have brought premierships into the into their clubs, and I know it um, it means a lot to him. It means a real lot to him that he wants to build a list that wins a premiership because yeah. he'll be the first to say, I haven't done that. Now that's not a criticism. That's just a fact. Mm. He's developed some very, very good teams and he's worked with Sheedy Knights. He's also been caught up in that, mm. you know, every time there's a new coach, there's a new recruiting. Oh, I want tall blokes. Mm. Oh, I want mm. this bloke or a new footy manager comes in with all these whiz bang ideas. Oh no, let's go and do that. Let's go and get, you know, so, yeah. yeah, it must be hard. It'd be hard for him because um, he's such a likable person. Like, yeah, you see him, and you can you could never say he didn't care about the Essendon Football Club because no, he loves oh, it. No. And he's one and, of the greats in that area. But yeah, and, and like a like a lot of clubs, see, this was our first. When was the last time we had picks like this? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see this list in. Um, I shouldn't say this because it gives it gives it an out. Um, like I think it was um, was it the chairman that said, "Oh, wait till we see these players um, when they've played 150 games." And he was talking about Jones and 
Paul, that's eight years. There's, there's, there's not one innocent person with you on that one and wait till Archie Perkins played 150 games. Mind you, I think I know where you were saying how good he's going to be yeah. and hopefully. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah. No, he's been a, um, he's been, um, he has been a great survivor though. The old yeah. Dodoro, no doubt about that. He's had a great ally in uh, Sheeds. Sheeds is a very strong supporter of him. Not sure Knights was. Yeah. Um, so I think it got a bit rocky there. So, um, but like, like his ability to recruit Tipper Woody and, and McKenna and find these blokes is, is, is outstanding, you know. Um, anyone can go and offer pick nine for Jeremy Cameron, can't you? You and I can do that. Yeah. But it's identification. Um, and, of course, he, he just loves trade time, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He loves trade time. <laughs> he loves a camera. Yeah, for show time. <laughs> he, he doesn't care about his supporters, does he? Loves he? A, <laughs> he loves a recruiting statement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he gets belted. Uh, like, if you're watching, mate, you know what I mean. Yeah. No, he gets belted by the opposition a lot, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he because he's so um, – he'll only do what he thinks is right for Essendon. So yeah. there's very little give or take. I don't think he's um, – does that make him a, a poor negotiator or just emphatic on what he wants for Essendon and he refused to bend? I think it's the latter. Yeah. But it has probably – where some might bend and negotiate, Adrian – will say, that's no. what, no. I want this for Essendon, um, the Danaher saga, no. Hmm. Right? We think Danaher is two first round. Sydney will off, offer nine. No, hmm. you've got to stay. Sorry, you're staying. If we get picked five and nine, you can go. Because hmm. that's good for Essendon. Hmm. That's good for Essendon, anyway. We've missed the boot stutter. What about the boot stutters in my time? You've, <laughs> haven't missed anyone. What about hey, we don't get an opportunity to interview someone like you very often. <laughs> brings the cordial out for the VFL at three-quarter time. We talk about him. You haven't missed anyone. <laughs> uh, mate, did you want to uh, ask anything? No, look, I suppose just a, um, a prediction from yourself, um, Shuri. You know, where, mm. like, where do you see us ending this year? Um, like, And who do you sort of see our... You know, our who do you reckon is going to be the best and fairest um, this year? And like, where do you reckon our goals are going to come from? Who's, who's going to kick our most goals? You got a problem kicking goals? Yeah. Because history tells you, I've written it down. Matthew Lloyd, uh, hang on. Danaher in 217 kicked 65. And Lloyd, uh, what's that, 11 years, nine years earlier, kicked 50 something in 08. So that's a, you've got a Wright, you've got a developing Jones. Now Wright let's, has got immense potential, but he's been in the system quite a while and I'd, um, he's not strong in his body. He's not a robust, strong, push him off, but he's got talent and he is beautiful kick for goal. I'd be disappointed if he wasn't 35 to 40 goals. To forty-five. What's that? One point. That's one point five. Yep. 
That's not a lot, but it'd be a great return. Um, Tip and Woody's got to have a much better and a fitter year than he had last year. He's got to he's got to be. I, I think we've just got to get four blokes with thirty. Yeah. Um, and it comes back to your old mate Jamie. Yep, Stringer. <laughs> he's it. I'm telling you now. He's it because he could um, he can literally do anything. Um, Shearer's not a goal kicker. McGrath's not a goal kicker. Heppel's not a goal kicker. I'm thinking of midfield goal kickers. Parrish hit the scoreboard. You haven't got um, midfield goal kickers, have we? Who else? Well, have well, Devin Smith maybe could kick a few goals. Yeah, he's okay. He's got a great instinct, so he would have to play more forward. Um, Langford. I think Langford, yeah. You see our issue, don't you? Mm, yep. we're, we're looking to find goals now. So that also means um, if we can't find a hell of a lot, our defence has got to be great. And um, we've been horrendous in those areas. Our contested ball, I think, was 15th. Our ability to defend a team in transition, once we lose the ball, our ability, um, that was the 18th. Um, effectiveness going, we've got four or five of the worst categories in all under the term of um, physical accountability. So let's just hope Ben um, keeps the flair, but doesn't make us, I'm not saying we have to be a defensive team, but um, gee, we've got some real, we had some real weaknesses under John in terms of um, defence against the opposition's ball movement. We were horrible to watch last year. Would you agree with that? Sorry? We were horrible to watch last year, the way we yeah. played. Yeah. It, was just yeah. Looked, it looked like a team that didn't know what was going on, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, well, all that sort of stuff. And, and it appeared passionless and very easy to score. Like, like really, like when was that game against the Bulldogs? Did they kick 20 goals without? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That, that, there's been some – that's why I'm pretty optimistic. I want to put all that behind us because yeah. we've had the nightmares and we've had what you've said about um, lack of passion and and what are we doing and, you know, how much responsibility is that with the coach or, you know, um, quite a deal, to be honest. The buck does stop. He's got a good. He's got a team around him, so um, Gene Syracuse is good because it's a set of eyes from another system. I I I, I think that'll be really good for us. Um, but gee, we have to we have to defend. We have to be hard to score against because it doesn't look like we're going to be. Um, and even though the game will be at a fast pace, I'm not sure we're going to find where our goals are coming from. Um, Hooker. Hooker's gone forward, right? I think that's a uh, acknowledgement by Ben that he's worried. Mm. Right? He can mark. And you've seen him. He's always gone forward when the game's in the balance or we're going to lose. And he's always had success. Whether he can have success as an out-and-out forward... Um, if Stringer plays, he would get 
in my opinion, I would put the best defender to him. Um, I would think that I would be concerned about Hooker, so he would get the second best. So, coming us back to your mate, this has been the Jake Stringer show. Mm. Because that means Wright might get the third defender. Yeah. Right? And I think, given the fact that he didn't play any footy for Gold Coast, so we don't know why, mm. but I'm not sure he can take the number one yet, but I haven't seen him play. No one's seen him play. Um, so let's not judge harshly, but I'm not going to mention his name again. <laughs> <laughs> I went and watched um, the Bombers play the Cats down at Kidinia Park. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like what I watched, because it was great to be back at the footy where you could actually see not just what the TV showed you, you could see oh. behind the play. And, um, yeah, I just found that, yeah, he, he's just got to be more um, assertive, uh, especially, you know, the way he goes for the footy. Because I, I just noticed he was quite happy to sit back and let his defender take, uh, you know, basically the front position. And uh, right. Peter Wright, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. to me, like, to... he's going to yeah. have a bit more niggle in him and just to say, hey, you want to put your <clears> hand <throat> on me? Yeah, knock that away and try to push forward a bit. I just found he was a little bit... Submissive in the way that he just took the, the hand. It's, and he it's just... been the it's been the knock on him, and he's he's acknowledged it himself. And he's actually um, when he signed with Essendon, Dean Solomon actually got him in the gym and did a lot of work with him. So, but it's it you can't just do that for weeks. That's got to be career developing. So, um, but he's gonna um, he's gonna either be the. I hope he's not seen as the great white hope. I really, no. I think that's really unfair. No. Um, I know social media is social media. I, oh, you know, he won't replace, he won't no. replace Joe. No. I know Joe, but Joe's only played 10 games in three years. All that, yep. Mm. I'll take all that on board with you. Um, but this is, this team is a very um, accomplished, I think, work in progress. So there's a bit of fence sitting with with optimism, because I think um, I read an article by Jake Nile of the Age, and Jake is one of the good journo's. puts a lot of work into his analysis, and is out of the old school with a touch of modern. His word was, "It would take a miracle for Essendon to make the eight. That that's. I had to text Jake and say, mate, that's a rubbish statement. The competition's not that good. There's it, it's no miracle needed here. Mm. Luck, good game plan, fix a few things, and key players playing well, and, and the door opens up. Where do, who, who do you think will finish? But then people are saying, oh, I'd rather miss out and keep developing than finish seventh <laughs> and going out in the first week. Mm. Well, don't go out in the first week. <laughs> That's right. That's been our problem. You just can't keep going down the track of it's been this long. We have to win a final. We have to get in there and win finals and compete in finals. And um, I'm, you know, people at bottom four, I, you can come back to me and I'll apologise. If they finish bottom four, I, I'm... I'll give up watching football. I, well, I will. I can't see it happening. 
But you're going to stand by like by that, like uh, Barry Davis, Robert. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I could be Barry Davis. Yeah, I could have, I could have watched my last game. Like surely, the, like people are really pushing Fremantle to push closely. You know what? What do Melbourne do every year? What do mm. they do? Why can't we finish in front of them? Mm. St Kilda's got a bad, bad run with injuries. Mm. Um, who else have we got? Collingwood. How's the effect of last year going to have on them yeah. with the loss of their players? <clears throat> I think it's an open, open field, open field apart from the top four or five. Yeah, that was a fair assessment. So we'll put you down for seventh, Robert. Who? Seventh. Is that where we're going to finish? Seventh, you reckon? <laughs> Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Six to eleven. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair. Disappointed if we uh, were twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth. I don't think we are. Um, I think that would be a significant. Um, if every if the ducks lined up and you finished twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, I'm not. I'm not having that. I'm not having that. We can be better than that because we put the games into these players. They are ready to make a serious impact. That middle core group that I spoke about, you know, the important core group, Heffern and Carousella, Blumfield, you know, it's the same. McGrath, Langford, Parrish, etc. That core group can push them right through. And you just need a couple of keys to have good years and, and one or two to have outstanding years but th these are the sort of things that happen when you get a bit of luck and you and you get a bit of momentum um get through those first five weeks with a reasonable um win loss record and um anyway uh, is there any chance i'll be able to watch the channel seven news at six o'clock yeah. <laughs> well, well you've been more than um you know very free with your time we really appreciate it robert and um uh, yeah, good luck with it yeah good thank you You've taught me how to use Zoom. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'd love to catch up with you one other time if we can, uh, maybe near the nah, end of the season. I'm just joking. I'm yeah. sick of Zoom. I'm sick of... <laughs> Mate, two terms of uh, online teaching. Yeah. Sitting, talking to 25 kids in a classroom. Yeah. When I have to speak to two of you. No, yeah. I've enjoyed it, fellas. See ya. Thanks yeah. very much, Robert. Thanks, Robert. So, uh, thanks very much. Good luck. Thanks. Welcome back to Don's cast. And, mate, um, how good an interview was that? Like to have Robert Shaw uh, give us that amount of time. Yeah, it was fantastic, mate. He's really, uh, really generous, um, both with the time and his opinions. Uh, so, yeah, as you said before, Jam, uh, he's very open um, with what he actually thinks. He didn't hold any punches there. So it was a fascinating listen. And, um, yeah, hopefully everyone got a bit out of it. Yeah, definitely. And, um I guess, mate, just before we wrap up this show, because when you think about it, we've, um, we're going to be doing another one fairly soon. Um, I guess in line with our predictions, I guess we have to predict where you reckon we'll finish this year, mate. Yeah, I mean, so for mine, honestly, I probably see us finishing somewhere between 10th and 14th. Um, optimistically, I'll, I'll go 10th because, you know, looking at the, la at the fixture... I can only really see 
uh, 11 possible wins. Um, so that they would be, you know, against the Hawks in round one and again in round 14. I, I think we've, uh, we're a real chance to, uh, to topple them. Um, yeah, Collingwood for the Anzac game, uh, given their debacle of an off-season. Uh, Carlton the week after in round seven. Uh, Frio in round nine. I, I reckon we're a uh, real chance against them uh, at home. Uh, North, uh, you know, I reckon we can topple them in round 10 and 18. Uh, the Crows in round 17. Uh, I'm, I, honestly, just judging from what I saw last year, I, I don't see them playing all that well. So I think we've, uh, we're a shot there. Uh, Sydney in round 20 at Marble. The Suns in round 22 at Metricon, Metricon and then the Pies in round 23. Um, they're the only ones I can really see us having a win. I think, you know, early in the season we uh, we travel uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, we go to Port, then we go to Sydney, Brisbane. I think we'll find those difficult. So, But even out of those 11 games where I think we've, we're a chance to win, um, yeah, I'd, I'd see us dropping a few of those. Um, so I don't think we'll win enough to make finals. And even if we've got the 11 wins there, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to kick big scores, which will mean we'll have a, a pretty rubbish percentage again. Uh, that's just how I personally see it. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking we'll get about seven or eight wins. Um, and even that might be optimistic. Uh, call me a pessimist for this, Jane, but I, you know, unlike Robert Shaw, I, I do see this as a as a development year. Uh, it's not to say that I don't really care where we finish. I do. Um, yes, I want us to win. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I do think the, the side, particularly given, you know, senior guys have come out, um, we've got to re- really rebuild our structures uh, again. Um, so that's where I see us, mate. Um, and I think, to me, the win will come in seeing a game style that stacks up week in, week out. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go I'll go an optimistic 10th, mate. But what about yourself? How do you see us? Yeah, look, I'd love to say I see us back in the finals, but I just, yeah, if I'm being truthful, I just can't see that. So I've actually got us finishing 12th, mate. And, um, yeah, it's just more like those games you quoted there. Like, when was the last time we beat Collingwood twice in the season? <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't bank on that. So, um, yeah, no, look, I'm exactly the same as you. I want to see a game plan that is consistent, um, that we can stop uh, the opposition piling on goals in a row, which has been a real bugbear of mine. Like Sometimes you know, we'll let six or seven go through or against the Bulldogs, 21. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are the kind of things that, you know, I just want to see that fight um, where we, you know, dig our heels in and say, you know, you're not having all the run. And, um, you know, that Geelong game was just a snippet and there's only a, you know, practice match. But um, it gave me a little bit of hope. I liked the way we moved the ball that night. And, um, you know, I just want to see a continuation of that. You know, I think our best is obviously yet, yet to come. And, um, yeah, I just think that, yeah, this year, uh, again, not wanting to upset Robert, but, um, yeah, I think we are a little bit away from being a, a final side. So, yeah, I am going to put it in that development field as well where I just think that we need to get get continuity um, and 
you know, let the players know that this is the way, this is Essendon style of footy and uh, not flip-flop, stay, you know, the same kind of um, teaching and all the way through the season. Don't, you know, just because you've had a few losses, change it all and want to reinvent the wheel. Um, I think that's the kind of stuff that hurts you uh, yeah. and the players start to lose confidence in game plans and so forth. So yep. I just want to see us improve, but, you know, play a consistent style of footy that we can identify as fans as this is Essendon footy. Yeah, and, and one thing that I really took out of um, the interview with Robert Shaw was that he said, um, you know, he can sort of look at it and go, that's the Essendon I know. Like, so if Robert Shaw can can see this um, sort of, uh, you know, ingraining the culture and the history and um, traditions of the club to the players and that's, you know, being shown out on the field uh, to him as a footy analyst, um, that can only bode well for mine. So um, I think there's reason to be optimistic there. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, um, before we close up, I thought uh, we've got another show coming up this week, obviously after the side's been named. But um, I just thought we may as well get ahead of uh, match committee and do our own. Um, <laughs> yeah, at the moment... It's looking like there'll be a 23rd man, mate. Um, you know, this hasn't been ratified yet. It's looking likely for tomorrow morning. But um, it looks like there'll be an injury sub. Now, they're still working on uh, what the requirements to be classed as injured uh, counts as because originally it was just going to be a, uh, if you were concussed, you could have a player, you know, Similar to what we saw in the grand final last year, mate, when Boston went down in the you know, opening minutes of the game. Um, obviously, Richmond only played, you know, with the 21 players for the rest of the game. Um, and clubs are concerned about that. So, um, originally, it was just going to be a concussion sub. But um, <clears throat> I think, you know, and we saw in the same bit of play, you know, Ablett injured his shoulder that night. Mm. Um, you know, why should that team get a new player and the other one? One can't. So, um, but I think what the they've got to work out is how the coaches won't use it as a ploy, because um, let's face it, they might identify this bloke's off tonight. Uh, let's just say he's got an injury. Uh, we'll chuck our sub on him. We're going to get more out of him. How many of them can you get, Jane? <laughs> so I think what's going to happen there is the uh, I think the AFL is going to make it like, for example, if if a player. If you do use the sub, I think that player is going to have to miss the following game as well. So yeah. it's a real more, um, yeah, it's a, it's a more of a, you know, a penalty if you if you were to use it solely as a coaching tactic. Um, but then, you know, coaches are pretty smart. They'll just say, "Well, we plan to rest this bloke next week anyway, so we'll just <laughs> call an injury." And um, yeah, he was going to be, you know, part of the rotation next week. Um, let's, you know give this 23rd player a bit of a run. So, yeah, I think that's what the concern is, you know, how will the coaches not, you know, try to uh, rule this as, you know, see this rule as a bit of a uh, another coaching ploy to get the best out of their team. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see how they play it. So for those purposes, mate, um, I'll ask you to name your 22 and then a the 23rd player, mate, just in case um, that's what follows in the... AFL season. Yeah, too easy, mate. All right, so uh, going from the back line, I've got uh, Francis, Hooker and Laverde. 
Hooker down back, mate. Hooker down back. I, you know, even though I heard Truck, you know, say um, at the sort of presentation the other day that Nali he plans to play him forward. You know, we just we don't have, um, you know, key backs coming out of our ears. You know, by all reports, Zerk Thatcher um, is still a bit off. Um, like he did play in a practice VFL match uh, on the weekend, but you know, apparently warmed into it, but it was pretty rusty. Um, you know, I don't see, um, you know, Ridley taking that key back role. I think he'd be wasted in that, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, and our, our other backs aren't sort of big enough to to take those on. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't chuck a, a Heppel or, a, um, you know, even Francis. Francis is, is, I suppose, a bit bigger in size, but, you know, we've talked pretty often that, you know, we don't see him as that key um, defender to try and lock down on a monster. So I think we'll have to um, bite the bullet and um, chuck Hooker back there for mine. So, um, Francis Hooker Laverde in the backs, uh, half backs, uh, Heppel, Ridley, and Hind. Um, centers, I've got Shield, Caldwell, and Parrish. The Ruck of Merritt, Draper, and McGrath. Half forwards, I've got Langford, Jones, and Snelling. Forwards of Smith, Wright, and McDonald, Tip and Woody. On the bench, I've got Cox, Redmond, Carl, and Ham. And for the 23rd man, mate, I'd have to go Guelphie. Uh, Mr. Utility, you can plug him anywhere, and I reckon he'll uh, give it a red-hot crack. Oh, it's a fair bomber side, mate. Um, yeah, I guess I, I've gone a little bit different. Not, not in all areas. A lot of it's similar. But, um, yeah, I... I've actually gone or uh, well, named my side as Redmond, Francis, Laverde. Uh, and then they've got Heppel, Ridley and Hind to match your halfback line, mate. Yeah. Um, the centre line, I've got uh, McGrath, uh, Corwell and Shield. Half forwards, I've got Smith, Jones and Tipper. Uh, the forward pockets, I've got Langford, Wright and Parrish. Uh, then, then you've got your mids as well, mate. I need to change that. I just realised I've doubled up there. So, um, my wing actually, I think I said uh, Caldwell. Uh, sorry, I, I think I said uh, McGrath on the wing. Um, that's supposed to be. I'd made that change. Where was it? Ham. I'd put on the wing. Yep. Um, yeah. So I've got the roughs was. Draper, Merritt, and McGrath. Mm-hmm. And then my bench was Cox, Perkins, um, you know, two debutants um, you know, playing, you know, Carl, and also uh, Snelling. And then my 23rd man would be Gleason, um, just because I, I think you know, if. Uh, we got an injury down back, mate. They'd need another defender down there. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I made a mess, a bit of a mess of that, mate. But um, <laughs> that's pretty much uh, what I had. And uh, I guess like it's all spitballing at the moment um, until we see the side. But I guess we had a lot, lot of similar stuff. Um, yeah, I was pleased to hear about um, Perkins, you know, getting so much of a footy, and although he might not have used a whole heap of it. Um, I think the club would want to sell that 
you know, those three debutants in Jones and uh, Perkins and uh, Cox all starting on the same night, you know, could create a little bit of a buzz for for us to see a glimpse of the future. Yeah, good, man. Be, uh, be exciting stuff. I mean, you know, looking at those blokes, you obviously take a little while to um, grow into the AFL environment, but um, look, they all seem like really likely kids and, uh, yeah, it'll be exciting, um, yeah, watching them out them if they get their opportunity. Yeah, that's right. And um, well, I guess, uh, you know, it's exciting times, you know, uh, the sides for Thursday night's game is going to be named tomorrow. So that's going to give you that anticipation for the season to start. And, um, yeah, I just can't wait for the footy to be back in Melbourne. That's it, mate. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, till uh, Thursday, uh, let's say go Bombers. And, uh, yeah, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. Go Bombers. Go Dons. <laughs>